2: Nine nine five gold. That's eight three three nine nine five gold. Eight three three nine nine five G O L D. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show hour number three we are powering through as we always do encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast you can make sure that you get every hour of this program you don't miss a moment as we come up on spring break season a lot of you may be back out on the roads kids grandkids moving around you may not be in your usual city boom comes right to your show you can listen to it on your trips hang out on the beach wherever you may be you can take us with you Just search out my name, Clay Travis. Search out Buck Sexton. You can also get a lot of original, cool, dynamic stuff inside of the podcast feed. So go subscribe today. Now, as we went to break, I told you we got an interesting poll that came down. Now, I understand everybody out there gets apprehensive about polls. There's anxiety that polls were wrong in 16. They were wrong in 20. They were wrong in 22. It's been very hard to be entirely reliant on polls. But here's what we do know. In 2020, Joe Biden won the state of Virginia by 10 points over Donald Trump. In 2021, the very next year, Glenn Youngkin flipped the governor's mansion in Virginia from Democrat to Republican and flipped in a big way the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, there is a poll, this is from Roanoke University, that is out, that has some really interesting data points. Uh, In particular, there have been rumors that Glenn Youngkin is going to throw his name into the mix as a presidential candidate. Some of you may say, wait a minute, he's only been governor for a couple of years. Yes, but Virginia, you can only be governor for one term. So... It's a little bit different than other places where Glenn Young can, oh, he could run for reelection. He could be a governor for eight years. Glenn Young, because of the state of Virginia, can only be a governor for one term. And he's been a very successful governor. He has a wildly favorable rating in the state of Virginia. This is from, again, Roanoke College. It was done over the last couple of weeks. And these numbers really jump out at you. So, first of all, if Joe Biden is the nominee, as we expect, and Donald Trump is the nominee for Republicans, according to this poll, Biden would only have a one-point lead over Trump. Very ominous because Biden won Virginia by 10 points. This suggests that Joe Biden is very weak in the state of Virginia in general. Ron DeSantis, according to this poll, would beat Joe Biden by five points. If Joe Biden doesn't win Virginia... This is going to be a landslide election for Republicans. All of you should be aware of that. But here is the number that is staggering. Glenn Youngkin, if he is the nominee for president, according to this poll, he would beat Joe Biden 55-39, to beat him by 16 points. That would represent a 26-point line move, effectively, compared to the 2020 presidential election. So, Buck... When you see this numbers and you you saw them, you and I were talking about it off air. Again, Roanoke College has Glenn Youngkin beating Joe Biden by 16 points in Virginia. At a minimum to me, this raises the, hey, Glenn Youngkin should be at the very top of the list for vice president potential nominees. But also, should we be talking about Youngkin as a potential presidential choice? Just if he wins Virginia, he's gonna win the presidency. Could he deliver the state of Virginia? Based on these numbers, it wouldn't even be close. You
3: know, I think you should evaluate uh, vice presidents through the lens of, first and foremost, obviously, is this person a reasonable ch- a reasonable yes. choice for the presidency? They're a heartbeat if, away. If, if, right. They're a heartbeat away. That's step one. But step two from an electoral politics angle is, can they actually help in the, you know, generally – Vice presidents get talked about a lot by the media and don't really make all that much difference. But I think in part, it's because Republicans, Republicans approach it, at least a lot of the consultants do the same way Democrats approach their vice presidential picks, which is this is an op, this is an opportunity for diversity and inclusion. You know, we need a woman or we need a minority right. or we need a No, we need someone who's going to deliver a key state. That's I uh, agree. You, you want to win. That actually matters. R- Republicans do not get credit at the ballot box for diversity, just everyone needs to. That never it never works that way because we're also wired to think of: is this person male or female? The best person for the job? Do we want to vote for this individual? We, we Republicans do not get Democrats to come and cross over from the other side of the aisle and say, "Oh, well, this Republican ticket has a." Has a woman on it now? Now I feel like I'm gonna. It just doesn't work that way. It, it you know, you look at all the different data from previous elections. Maybe there's some minor effect, but if you're talking about actually winning, key states matter. So Wisconsin, Arizona, Virginia, Georgia—these are places that matter. So if a vice president can help deliver a win in one of those places in 2024, I think that's a really big asset, a really big advantage. And I also think that Glenn Youngkin. Has, uh, has shown a very interesting blueprint for, look, Glenn Youngkin is never, he, you know, he's not the governor of Texas. He's never going to be the governor of Texas. He's not, he's not somebody who has a red state mandate. But what he's been able to do is go into what is really essentially a blue state, certainly by registration advantage. Uh, the Democrats have it in their column and address the issues of the people in that state. Do so in a forthright manner with competency, and you could actually win a blue-purple state with a pretty solid uh, a pretty solid majority, which is what Glenn Youngkin has done. You know, in a way, I mean, Florida, yes, DeSantis has had a bigger swing, bigger numbers, it's more, you know, it's obviously a it's a truly red state right now based on the most recent reelection results. Um, but I think that it's it has been a it's a closer it has been a closer contest in Florida in recent years anyway, um, than it has been in Virginia. I mean, Virginia's been pretty reliably Democrat. And Yunkin was good on masks, Yunkin was good on school the school closure issue. I mean, all these things that come out of the pandemic, he's cause he won in twenty twenty one, that felt a bit like the first referendum on the craziest COVID policy. So I think he was important in that process as well. And, and I've said this before, I mean, the guy's, he's slick, he's smart, he ran the Carlisle Group. Do I think he's going to be president? No. Do I think he's got a future in politics in America? Yeah. Yeah, even beyond being governor.
2: Here's what I would impress upon anybody running. You said it about the identity politics stuff. I think whoever the vice presidential pick is has to be in a state that that president, vice president, can put in play. And this is what jumps out to me about Yunkin. I've said for a while, look, Brian Kemp guarantees to me that you would win the state of Georgia. So it takes Georgia off the board. I'm not sure in Arizona, does Doug Ducey do that? He's probably the most popular Arizona Republican right now. I don't know. Does Lombardo do that in Nevada? I don't know. Does Chris Sununu in New Hampshire? Does Ron Johnson in Wisconsin? Are any of those guys capable of putting their state in the Republican camp? If my pollsters, and again, I understand the reticence on pollsters, but if my pollster, pollsters and my team believe that they can deliver a state, that's my VP. If I'm Ron DeSantis or I'm Donald Trump and I'm the nominee in 24, I'm putting Glenn Youngkin on the ticket if I think he can deliver Virginia. Because, one, it forces Biden to have to expand the battleground. If... Democrats are scrambling to try to win Virginia. It's a very good sign in other close states, but Virginia is such a state, Buck. There is no pathway to the presidency that doesn't include Virginia for Democrats. So if you could take that one out of their column because Glenn Youngkin is so popular and he can deliver the state of Virginia, this race is over. I mean, I mean, this if these numbers are accurate and Glenn Youngkin is popular enough to deliver Virginia into the Republican column, then 2024 is effectively over. I mean, and Democrats, also,
3: as, you, as you said, though, it's very early. It's very Democrats early, But haven't run, you know, polls have been wrong. It's very early. And Democrats haven't been trying to convince the Virginia electorate of the menace that the Republicans represent here. I think in part because until they know who they're running against. And this is a this is a challenge the Democrats face, certainly in the in the early, early months here of the 2024 election. You're going to run very differently against Donald Trump than you would against Ron DeSantis or anybody else, right? I mean, there's there's no – they can – this whole thing that they've tried, you've already seen some of these articles. DeSantis is worse than Trump. He's he's worse than Hitler, which is a tough angle
2: to follow. Trump was Hitler, and DeSantis even worse than Hitler.
3: But they've they've been trying to tell people that the difference between Trump and DeSantis is that DeSantis is even worse because you get Trump policies with policy uh, competency and focus. Instead yeah. of just the ideas and then the kind of, you know, rock'em sock'em politics of the Trump administration. That is the Democrats trying to make that argument. I don't think that's going to be very persuasive to the uh, the independence and and to that that middle tranche that's going to determine how these closed states go. I think they'll see competency as something that that really matters and something that's good. You know, effectively, the Democrat argument is, oh, my God, he's even worse than Trump because this guy's right wing incompetent. That is the Democrat argument about Ron DeSantis, which is pretty much a backhanded compliment, actually.
2: Buck, I want I don't I haven't seen anybody float this idea. So let's star it on the transcript. If I end up being right on this. You know that Democrats waited into the primary season in 2022 to try to pick the most Trumpian candidates as opposed to the middle ground people to give their Democrat candidates better chances to win. They spent tens of millions of dollars to do that. What do you think the chances are that the Biden people pour money in on Donald Trump in the 2020, in the Republican presidential primary, attacking DeSantis, attacking Nikki Haley, anybody who has momentum to try to select Trump as their nominee? I haven't seen anybody float this question. I think it's very likely, and it's going to be all hands on deck in 24, because to to the point we've made on this show, the advantage Republicans have is we know the opponent. We know they're going to trot out Joe Biden to the best of their ability. Democrats have already shown they have no morals and certainly no moral compunction against trying to get Trump-endorsed candidates in as the nominees. Why would they not spend tens of millions of dollars to make Trump the nominee in 24?
3: I thought you were going to say they have shown no scruples when it comes to the, what, three-month gap between John Fetterman is fine, shut up, if you ask any questions about him, you're ableist, to, yeah, so what, he's in a mental hospital. Respect his privacy. Maybe he'll come (laughs) out in a few months. They they, they act like there was no, you know, there's no issue here at all. It went from... You know how dare you even ask about his ability to do the job of senator? To yeah, he's in a psych ward for the foreseeable future. That's just the way it goes. And they act like that. There's no, there's no issue with what they said versus what the reality is now. They just, by the way, I think a lot of people pointed out the issues he's having are probably tied also. Even if it is depression as a component of it, if you've had a major stroke and the You know, the neurochemical issues that you may have as a result of that, the this could all be tied together. Um, But they they still they think that they pulled off a great one by getting Fetterman into office. Doesn't doesn't matter what happens now. Just flag this one. What are we
2: sitting here? March 2nd. Nobody's talked about it yet. They say that Trump is an existential threat to democracy, but they feel like Biden can only beat Trump. I'm going to float it out there. I bet they spend tens of millions of dollars to try to put Trump in as the nominee. I'm just floating it out there. I want all of you to think about it. I'm this is this is
3: a this is a way out there prediction, Mr. Clay Travis. This is a way out there prediction.
2: So I think it's coming tens of millions of dollars from Democrats to try to put Trump in as a nominee so they can try to beat him. No easy answer to fixing the education issues in our public schools these days. We know some of the facts. Kids are testing lower and lower in the basics like math and English. Lots of finger pointing and blame to go around. At the same time, there are tens of thousands of dedicated, caring teachers doing what they're being told to do. If you're even moderately concerned about American kindergarten through 12th grade education, our friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country, so now they're offering 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Dr. Larry Arnn. Special issue provides a factual account of the ongoing battle over education and explains Why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children are learning. These 10 copies can be shared with others. Visit the website clayandbuck4hillsdale.com to get your copies today. That's clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. Act now. Join the battle over education for our country's future. Helping you separate truth from fiction every single weekday. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton
0: Show.
4: That's 25% off at lifelock.com slash news. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: more details
2: if Donald Trump is challenged for the nomination I mean he's obviously already being challenged by Governor Hale Nikki Haley and then there's talk right. with other people Governor DeSantis
3: and right. Mike Pompeo and others Vice President Pence do you think any of them
4: can take him out
3: no but I think what they will do is ensure him the nomination by I, splitting all the alternates absolutely same thing that happened before yeah the only way Trump doesn't get that nomination is if it's just him and DeSantis. if it's a bunch of people in there yeah they're going to split the anti-trump vote because you know trump has a very hardcore following i mean it's a cult and cults don't ever go away look at christianity okay forget about the cheap shot there at the end from bill maher at christianity um because he's a climate change cultist just say it i mean he, he that is the cult that he belongs to um which Anyway, it makes no sense and doesn't make you a better person. Just makes you sanctimonious. Um, I would say his analysis. I think it's interesting his analysis of the uh, of the primary here and how it would play out. That a fractured electorate or, or sorry, sorry, a fractured field would mean an almost certain Donald Trump victory. Does that line up with what with what you're seeing? I because that certainly is what happened in 2016 when Trump won. Obviously, he didn't have a primary in 2020. I do, I do get the sense that look, 30% of the GOP, I think right now would go for Trump no matter what. Yeah. Like, it's, it's Trump all the way a hundred percent. And some of them are saying right now, that's right. They're hearing me say this is, that's right. It's Trump. That's it. I think it's 30, maybe it's 20%, but it's maybe 30% of the GOP. And then you have the rest that are either open to, you know, uh, DeSantis. And or other candidates, right? So the whole other field. But if you have six or seven people run, how do you get ahead of the Trump 30? You know, we'll call it 25. I'll split the difference. The Trump 25% that are all in. It's, it's a,
2: it's a fantastic question. And I do think as a general rule, the more people who run, the more it benefits Trump because I think his, I, I think 30% is probably right. I think his 30% diehards are going to ride or die with him no matter what. Uh, Now, what I would say in general about this is we talk very much and very often about the larger landscape of the Republican primary. I looked this up the other day, Buck. I will get to vote in the Republican primary, I think, like March 5th or March 7th here in Tennessee where I live. Um, But really what matters is not what I think or what somebody who's going to be voting in March thinks, which is the vast majority of you out there. It's what do people in Iowa think in January? How many of them are going to be motivated to go stand in the cold with these crazy caucus rules and figure out who wins there? And then also, what's going to happen in New Hampshire and in South Carolina? And I don't think there's very much of a chance at all that Trump wins New Hampshire. I'm curious what might happen in Iowa. My point on this is... Really, it's about these tiny little states in the grand scheme of the United States, Iowa and New Hampshire, and how they are going to break down. And that's where, like, if Chris Sununu decided to run, that could throw another wild card in as well at New Hampshire.
3: Gun owners out there, fellow gun owners, there's a new way of training and keeping your skills sharp without having to make time for the range. You can train at home like I do with the Mantis X system. So many of the best shooters do the majority of their training by dry fire practice. That's what Mantis X is, a firearms training system that has no ammo, and it's an all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. You attach this device to your firearm like you would a weapon light. Then you can use it at home instead of getting to the range. I'll tell you this much. It'll make your next shooting range outing that much more successful. I've got one of these, and it's a lot of fun to use, and it's really helpful. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique, and guides you through drills and courses. Nearly every shooter improves within 20 minutes of using the Mantis X. This product is now being used by the U.S. military and special forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. The Mantis X is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at mantisx.com.
2: Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton show. Uh, We've been talking about a variety of subjects, as we always do, and one of our guests i got to give him a shout-out. Dr. Marty McCarry has been better on COVID than almost anyone. Johns Hopkins physician. I don't think you can underrate how much pressure so many doctors in this country were under to shut up and follow the consensus view, even though many of you out there listening to us right now knew that the conv- consensus view was 100% wrong, or you had serious qualms from a scientific basis about what was going on. I've told this story before. I don't want to name her because I don't want to get her in trouble. But when I spoke out against masks, one of our friends, she's a physician in Tennessee, spoke out against masks on school children as well and had a uh, medical board complaint and had to deal with the fact that her license was threatened, even in the state of Tennessee, for willing to speak out publicly about the fact that masks in school made no sense. And so many of these doctors dealt with extreme attacks for their willingness to speak out. Now, you and I, Buck, we got ripped to the high heavens, but we're in the opinion business. We're not doctors. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of doctors decided to keep their mouths shut because they were so afraid of what their colleagues might say. They were so afraid of their medical licenses being threatened. And I think one of the lessons we need to take is we need complete scientific freedom in this country on issues of true scientific debate so you don't have to worry about getting canceled because you're a pediatrician who says a kid doesn't need to wear a mask. Well, I wanted to play these things because Dr. McCary went in front of Congress and he said, you know who was the biggest spreader of misinformation during COVID? The United States government. Listen,
5: the greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation, that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the Infection than the vaccine, not true. It's four to twenty-eight times more common after the the vaccine. That young people benefit from a booster. Misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there.
3: I think Clay, we we have to see this for what it is. Uh, first of all, Marty, Marty McCarry has been brave and brilliant for a long time now on this issue of COVID. Yes. He was one of the few, and he was a really important voice, too. Uh, Alex Berenson was also very early and very brave. He's a data guy, but he's not an MD. And now, fair or unfair, there was a need particularly for MDs to come forward um, and and to be willing to speak about this in this way because it turned into so much of a of just of a credibility battle right or or a a credential i should say a credentialism battle and when you have an md from johns hopkins university uh medical school coming forward but then you know you also had uh professor uh unitis at stanford i'm still not sure i'm saying his name right it's a very difficult greek name um but you had you had a handful of them willing to come forward the great barrington declaration which people barely even remember now was entirely correct in its wisdom 100
2: percent right
3: everything in that was right i retweeted it you retweeted it immediately when it came out a lot of us saying hey this is the way there is a path there's a different way to handle this it was buried buried by the social media companies buried by the biden uh you know biden white house by the democrat party just completely ignored and even worse than ignored suppressed the whole thing but what i think really this all shows you is that the mentality of of the Fauciites for all this, was that they had a right to tell you things that were wrong because they're better than you are. That ultimately the Democrats, because you look at someone like Jimmy Kimmel, for example, he's come forward now and he's saying, oh, you know, look, look at all this stuff about the lab leak. Yeah, fine, we don't know what's going on now. So why are the why are the Republicans misrepresenting this? I mean, there's some clip circulating with Jimmy Kimmel, you know, making fun of this or talking about this. What a deeply unfunny and increasingly sad fellow. Uh, but no, that's not what this is about. Or rather, that's not an honest assessment of what this is about. They said they knew for sure you couldn't even talk about the thing that at a minimum now looks probable. And some people would say more than probable. But when you say you can't say something because we're sure it's not true, and then it comes out that it turns out it may be true at a minimum. What you've done is shown that you were wrong. It's wrong to say you're a 100% wrong and then have to admit, actually, you may be right. The person who has transgressed there is the person that suppresses. And the entire Democrat Party did this. And I I really think it's, they at the end of the day, they justified it. It's another version of, well, they couldn't. Listen to us because it came from people like you and me and others on the right. Can't listen to them. That's the problem. The wrong people were saying the right things. This is what it all comes down to. Leftism, Democrats, they really do think of themselves as just superior people. I think I have better ideas than Democrats, let's just say, on COVID. And I do. And you do. They think they're better people than us, so their ideas should matter more. They're just better than them. They're just better. And then everyone listening to this, They're better. Oh, you won't mask up? I do, because I'm a better person than you.
2: I think it also factors in deeply with insecurity. I I think there are a lot of woke white people out there that are desperately insecure about their lot in life, and they have decided that the way they're going to define themselves, the way they're going to brand themselves on social media, is by being virtuous. And that virtue requires that someone else is the devil, right? Most of these people are not very religious, but they consider themselves to be Christ-like, right? To be totally suffering and to care so much more than others about the status and plight of people in this country. And so that is their brand. And the brand of I care more is really running face-to-face into the reality of, wait a minute, I was wrong, and this is the part that I don't think they can really get to, Buck, and this is what I was saying when we were talking about Portland. It's not just that they're wrong. It's that they're actually wrong in a way that is hurting the people that they claim to care about the most because if you're super rich and you live in a gated community and you're concerned about equity and policing, you've got a gate. You might have private security if you're super rich. You're not really in danger yourself. But the black and brown people that you claim you care about for equity, they're getting murdered in their neighborhoods because you're attacking the police to look virtuous on social media. That is the part that their brains don't seem to
3: understand. You know, they showed us this during COVID as well with all of the stay home, mask up, be safe. While they then went to their phones to order food delivery and yes. go and and turn on their Netflix, which is powered by the people that are still making the electricity company work, and, you know, if they have a problem with their their heat, they call the frontline workers, right? Or if they decided that they were going to, you know, go into town, maybe they rode the train and the frontline workers were there. The whole thing, we never even really shut down. We had this pseudo shutdown so that the laptop couch surfers could pretend that they were heroes defeating a virus, particularly in like major urban areas of, of very blue cities and, and states. Um, and as we know, it, it did nothing positive. And we're, we're still one of the reasons we have all this, you know, this, this, this grinding economic, uh, slowdown right now. And people are losing their jobs. And, you know, you're starting to feel like there's a stealth depression on the way right now. One of the reasons this is happening is because of the shutdowns and the spending. And what goes up must come down, man. I mean, at the end of the day, this was all crazy and they pushed this with no benefit. And there's been no real, no real consequence from it whatsoever. Um, I, for at least for the Democrats, I just think it's outrageous.
2: We spent more money on COVID than we did World War II. I mean, th- that is something that I think people out there just, you hear that and it lands and you think to yourself, holy, I mean, you probably want to utter a bunch of. Epideth, uh, you know, curse words in a row, like I do when you see that data. We spent more money fighting COVID than we did to beat the Nazis.
3: Yeah, you, you know, when we might actually have on, we might actually have an interesting exchange on COVID policies. It might happen in the Republican primary. It might happen in the Republican primary. I know people aren't necessarily. Desantis expecting that.
2: is going to be, and this is a challenge for Trump. Desantis right now is to the right of Trump. On COVID,
3: Yes, no one has ever come at Trump on his COVID decisions and Fauci. And I, I know this is for people that think Trump's the only one who can win. And I, I get all that. It's upsetting to hear it. But I think that there's I'm just saying I'm not even picking a side in it other than just to tell you right now. I think there's going to be some big punches thrown over this one over that yeah. is what happens when what happens when Ron DeSantis turns to Trump and says, well, if Operation Warp Speed is such a success. You know, why, why, you know, what's, what's the problem? Like, it's amazing, right? Tell everybody how great it is. Was it a huge success? What do you think Trump says? What does Trump say about the vaccine? I I think Trump's answer
2: is going to be the vaccine was a huge success, but we shouldn't have had mandates. The problem with that is the vaccine was not a huge success. He's right on the mandates, but he's going to have to acknowledge, which is going to be a blow to his ego. That Operation Warp Speed, the vir- the the vaccine that was created is not a vaccine. It's at best a minor league, you know, flu therapeutic. Shot. Yeah, yeah. And it was a disaster the way that it's been rolled
3: out. I I think you can expect that, among many other things, to be part of the uh, the rumble that we are all expecting up ahead here in the Republican primary. I want to talk to you about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation now. Born from the tragedy of 9/11, Tunnel to Towers has been honoring America's heroes ever since. The foundation honors fallen and severely injured heroes and their families with mortgage-free smart homes. This year alone, hundreds of gold star and fallen first responder families with young children and our nation's most severely injured veterans and first responders are receiving homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year, and more than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. On Memorial Day, all the brave men and women lost since 9-11 in the War on Terror are having their names read aloud in a Tunnel to Towers ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Join both of us in donating $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number two, t.org.
2: Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today.
1: Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mister Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head and Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for. more.
3: Call
2: 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D.
3: So, you know, you learn something new every day in this job. It's one of the fun things about it. I learn a lot of new things. It's, it's amazing to get to speak to all of you wonderful people across the country, and my job is to just learn as much and be as up on current events as I possibly can. And bring you the best information, the most interesting and entertaining and engaging show that Clay and I can every day. It's it's an amazing thing. It's great. And I learned things I wouldn't expect. Apparently, right now, Clay tells me that there is a massive line that is pretty much shutting down downtown Nashville. And I'm thinking it must be there must be some special at Pegleg Porker and people just want to go get amazing barbecue. No, no, the line is for a country music singer, and Clay says this to me. He's like, "Oh man, you know it's going to be crazy in downtown." Morgan Wallen is giving out tickets to a free concert, and he says it to me like, "Isn't that crazy, Buck?" And I have to one, look at him and say, "One day
2: notice, by the way, he's taking over Bridgestone Arena, which is where the Nashville Predators play. Twenty, you know, eighteen thousand seat arena. They announced at ten a.m." Anybody can come if you stand in line at the box office, you get two free tickets. So the city of Nashville has been in an uproar since. I tell Buck this during a commercial break because I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. Good for Morgan Wallen doing this. I know Morgan a little bit. He's an Outkick fan, big college football fan. And Buck, no idea who he is. Like you would have never, never Morgan, heard you of. You had never heard of
3: him. Never heard the name. I mean, you were. It was so funny too because he looks at me. He's like, oh man. This Morgan Wallen concert, this is going to be wild in downtown Nashville. It's like, who?
2: Who? Ali, no, no idea. one else in New York has any idea who these people are, who he is either?
3: The, the, the team in New York has no idea either. So I'm just going to tell you, this is like I where just, the two worlds collide there, Red State, man. All right, so I want
2: you guys to... I, 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 it's rare that I'm totally flabbergasted, stunned that my jaw drops. The fact that no one else on this show... Has heard of Morgan Wallen before is staggering to me. The guy had the number one album in the country. I think he broke Elvis's record for the longest number one album in the country or the Beatles or somebody. And even if you don't know music, and I don't claim to be a big music guy, he got in trouble for using a racial slur on a, uh, like a, not secret, but like an outdoor camera. That got leaked to TMZ, I think, and it was like the number one. They stopped playing his music, like, and you don't, you missed all this. Everybody on the show, I don't understand how this is possible.
3: I've never, I don't know, man, I've never heard of him before, and I, I, I'm curious. I asked this, just, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious because I googled this guy in the break. I want to learn a little bit. I know a lot of people. That are certainly in Tennessee and, and I guess uh, a whole bunch of other states. He's too, literally
2: one m- of the five
3: probably most famous musicians in America right now, would be my That's argument. That's amazing. I mean, Does currently he have, performing. I'm I'm just asking because I Googled and I'm curious. Does he have a mullet? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He actually yes. is sporting the mullet.
2: That oh, is yeah. He, he is. He's brought back the mullet. There's now a lot of people, like my kids, want mullets. I don't know that people out there have recognized this. I'm not sure if this is a nationwide thing or just a, you know, southern red state thing. A lot of kids out there, uh, are trying to grow the mullet. And so Morgan Wallen has, is so popular that he has brought back the mullet and he's kind of a personification of the mullet. He's still only in his twenties. So, uh, but he so, is probably so I think one of the, yeah.
3: Clay, I just when is this concert? Because Mr. Mr. Wallen needs to send us and our and our wives some tickets to his concert, so I can experience the greatness of Morgan Wallen. Obviously, so that's what needs. This is for news. This is for the. This is so that we can experience and then he share is, it with the people who don't know. He is performing tomorrow. I think oh, okay. that that's you gonna guys be will see.
2: I mean, literally, this is why it's such a big deal. It's a pop up concert, one day notice. Anybody could go to downtown Nashville and get the tickets. Here's what I want you guys to do. If you are listening to us right now and you are also stunned that no one else on the show has any idea who the, who Morgan Wallen is, just blow up Buck right now on Twitter. You can tag me as well. I just want to see the Twitter. I think it's going to be like a slot machine, Buck, where there's just hundreds of people responding in disbelief you didn't know who
3: he was. We, we didn't get to get into this fashion discussion because, you, as you confirmed, the man does have a mullet, which is, yes. you know... Achy breaky heart throwback, if I if I remember <laughs> yes. correctly, but these things all go in phases, and you know what I'm starting to see the beginnings of. We have been for the last ten to fifteen years, really the last ten years, in an era of beards. Mark my words, everybody, American men are heading into a world of mustaches in the next five years. I, I don't. It's going to be a like the 1920s. Prediction. The 1920s, when everybody had a mustache in America, you're going to see it. Mustaches.
2: 1980s. Tom Selleck. Have some, put some respect on the guy's name. I will say this, also, mullet. You know what? Also is back, which I never believed would come back. Tight basketball shorts. All the kids they're wearing. It's like the 1980s. I didn't know they went all out of style again. John Stockton. I love them. Hey there, it's
1: Ryan Seacrest for Safeway.
3: Born from the tragedy of 9 11, the Tonta Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tonta Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiance who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tonta Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps gold star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans join tunnel to towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month. to tunnel to towers at T two torg That's T the number two T dot org. Never forget nine 11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us. Hear fascinating animal stories
4: to explore wildlife across the globe in Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife. Starting
1: March 15th, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.